Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Forging ahead, chapped lips and all, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A Medicare podcast that brings a tear to the eye. He's a former resident of the old Pueblo, Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I was tempted to say good morning, Vietnam, but we are in the uh, wilds of Arizona. Uh, No jungles here. It's all desert. And uh, boy, am I happy to be here when I look out. I see mountains. I see cactuses. I see some shade trees. And I see a hot, sunny day coming uh, coming down the pike. Welcome uh, Welcome to you for another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I like it because I like to help people with their Medicare quandary. And the quandary is often presented by the fact that they're approaching retirement or they're approaching age 65 and Medicare is staring them in the face. And it's a kind of a good news, bad news thing. The good news is that we've got very good medical insurance protection at a very reasonable cost. The bad news is the government doesn't do a very good job of helping us understand how to approach Medicare successfully and how to uh, uh, engage in Medicare and how to come out the victor on the other side. So that's where I come in. I have written a book called Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, and I have put that on sale so that anybody with a few shekels rubbing together in their pockets can uh, afford to get that book. And it is at uh, barnesandnoble.com or at Amazon.com. If you go to Amazon.com, you'll find four different editions. One is for listening. One is for reading on your Kindle device. One is for a, a, a paperback. So you can buy that and and uh, pass it around to your friends. Uh, once you've finished with it, you'll, you'll be the uh, know-it-all on the block because you'll know everything that you need to know about Medicare. And then the final edition of the four on Amazon.com is a $22 hardcover, suitable for gifting, museum quality edition that, did I mention $22? It's a little on the pricey side, but that's Amazon's fault and not mine. If you buy that, it's uh, it's the kind of thing that will be forever gracing somebody's bookshelf. And uh, the rare occasions when somebody needs some Medicare advice, they can pull that down, and the same knowledge is in that hardcover book as is in the $8 paperback. So I would say go to Amazon.com and search for Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, and you will have your uh, pick of really good information about Medicare. And I'm not saying that because I wrote it. I'm saying it because that's what readers have told me. It's uh, got 70 reviews, most of them five-star. One of the 
uh, three-star reviews is a guy who says that I use salty language and it's too opinionated. Well, that guy should maybe get a life because I'm not going to write a book that doesn't have my opinions in it. And my opinions are formed from many decades in the insurance business. If I can use my experience to help people avoid difficulties, then I will do that. I will not treat even-handedly products that I think are inferior when I can push products that I think are superior and are uh, really going to do a better job for my clientele. So that guy can go, uh, you know, uh, what can he do? Randy, what should I have that guy do? Well, back in the Midwest, we had just a bit of salty language ourselves like that. And one of our favorite expressions out in Western Nebraska was go pound sand. Oh, oh, there you go. Well, I, okay. To whoever you are that uh, left that three-star review about my <laughs> salty language and opinionated uh, uh, take on Medicare, go pound sand, sir. <laughs> That's right. We have got that all taken care of. Yeah. And you know, bottom line is... Everybody's got their own opinion, but sometimes, as my dad used to say, you're better off keeping it to yourself. Well, that's what Mary always says, too. She's way too diplomatic. I say, let them know how you feel. It may be your last opportunity to do that, and you don't want to go to your grave thinking, oh, if I had only done that one last thing. Uh, That kind of brings up something. um, I had one of those life-changing experiences this morning, and I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. Um, The... um, a good friend of mine who happens to be back in Illinois for the summer uh, texted me, no, called yesterday and left. I wasn't near my phone, left me a voicemail message, and he sounded disturbed. And he said, look, I'm I'm going to be busy for the rest of the evening, but call me tomorrow morning when you get up. And so there's a two-hour time difference. And so this morning I got up and I was like rubbing my eyes and wondering what planet I was on and um, got to the desk. And I got to the phone and there was a text from him saying, call me this morning. And so I called him and uh, how are you? Fine. How are you doing? Fine. Did you have fun last night? Yeah. Okay. Here's the news I have for you. And it's about a mutual friend who received a just a life ending diagnosis. Um, and uh, it has, it's a burden. It's a sadness that I feel. I'm not very close friends with this person, but he's a client. He and his wife are clients, and he's just the world's greatest guy. I don't get to hang around with him as much as I would like to, but he's just a happy-go-lucky guy who's raised a great family, and he and his wife now have the freedom to travel around the country in a uh, uh, motor coach, and uh, all of a sudden, he's got a diagnosis that's going to take him out, and probably not in a very pleasant way either, so... It's just kind of made me think about what is the uh, the cycle of life, Randy. I think you've probably had some people that with the same to- type of thing. You've you've heard bad news about people that you respect and like very much. And how do you feel? I have this helpless feeling. I don't even know how to approach this guy to tell him I'm so sorry that it's happening, and I don't know whether I should or not. Yeah, I know what you mean. I. And I, I know this is not true, but it, it feels like since we've gotten out here to Arizona, and maybe that's because we're older now and we have yeah. an older set of friends. I don't know, but it seems like we're popping into those situations a little more frequently than we used to. But on the other hand, uh, obviously, I'm not going to name names, but there's a uh, family in our HOA. Their house is not all that far away that just... Uh, 
one of their uh, early 20-something sons was just uh, diagnosed with leukemia. So, I mean, bottom line is every day of the year, you got to get up and go, you know, I'm glad I'm on this side of the dirt. Yeah, and I am too. And frankly, this it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Uh, what I said to my friend this morning after he told me the news, I says, "Why couldn't it be someone that we don't like?" You know, <laughs> that's we're always wishing bad things to happen to some some certain part of the population. And um, in this case, the bad thing happened to somebody that we do like. I will say a good thing is going to happen today. Um, our mutual friend Roy, who has been a guest on this podcast a couple of times, is undergoing back surgery tomorrow morning. And what's, um, hap- what's happening here? Well, uh, uh, testing finally diagnosed the reason for his um, his continual sciatic pain. And yeah. it's, a, it's a bone spur. And so what they're going to do is they're going to make a tiny incision. And I think the spur is like it's just above L5S1. Uh, so yeah. it's fairly, fairly down the spine. But um, the, he sent me a video of how it works. And basically, it's like a drill. And they just take this drill bit and they grind on that bone spur. Well, it's that sounds like fun. Well, it doesn't sound that bad compared to what Roy and I both went through with a uh, uh, discectomy. I had it in oh two. I had surgery for that, and it was pretty scary. And then three years later, the same disc bulged in the same spot, and I had the same pain, the same, you know, when I got up in the morning and I thought, oh, God, I went back to the doctor. And I said, I thought you fixed this. What's wrong with you? And he goes, don't ever ask me if I haven't had a patient with a third go around. And so every morning now I get up and I do a pain assessment. Has it started again? And so far it hasn't. But two operations on the same disc. And uh, so Roy says that this is the same kind of pain, but it's caused by a different problem. And they can, he's pretty optimistic about a quick resolution and going okay. home that night so that I night just, well it, they, it's an eight bed facility no 24 beds and they can keep him if uh he hasn't like the if the anesthetic hasn't worn off or whatever or if they had a complication once they got yeah. in there and looked around but basically he he's pretty optimistic and not afraid of this because it's going to reduce his pain level he's got sciatic pain that from hell and uh he wants to make that pain go away and uh, so tomorrow is his opportunity to do that i guess they're just going to put him to sleep and then when he wakes up it'll be all better well i hope i hope it works out very well for him you know and you know i ran into roy at um at a local uh grocery store here slash uh medicare medical facility slash uh-huh. you know everything else facility right i right. think i even i think they even sell fishing bait I, i'm not sure <laughs> but uh, you know you're was gonna this think one, i'm go ahead was this the one near safeway along scottsdale yeah, yeah, road yeah, yeah. yeah okay i've been in there so roy's a lot taller in person he is. <laughs> than, he he is. than he looks on the looks uh, when i saw him and you know something? He's a man of um, of um, I, how do I want to say this? He's going to follow the proper advice. So when I first met him, he smoked big old fat stogies and he drank uh, a bunch of booze with everybody else. And uh, he ate he put away a lot of food and everything. He was a much bigger boy. And through the years, the medical advice he's gotten has caused him to clean up his act. 
And so no more stogies and very limited alcohol consumption. And he's slimmed slimmed down considerably. So even though he's taller than you might have expected from what you saw on the screen, um, he he is uh, carrying around a lot less heft. I think he's happier for it, too. He seems like a happy guy. He probably is. I I was just surprised because uh, he, well, obviously looking at him on his, on the, the TV screen, he looks a lot shorter, but, mm-hmm. but even, even in context, he, he looked like about your size, but he's taller. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, so anyway, uh, good luck to Roy. And I'm sure we'll hear, we'll have another special episode where Roy describes the procedure where they grind away bone spurs. Yeah. That's, lo- that's I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, listen, let's get down to biz- business here. Beeswax. I wanted to say beeswax, but uh, okay. we've got some content. The content curator, that uh, that hot-looking babe that we hired to curate the content, has given me a stack of stuff, and she swears that it's going to be interesting for the audience as well as for us. So I think maybe it's high time that I get after it. What do you think, Randy? Nope, he's already turned his sound I'm, off. I'm already waiting for you to start. So anyway, <laughs> okay. yeah, is this is this the uh, the curator babe that that you know on a rare occasion you're sleeping with? Yes, uh, but I don't talk about that too much oh, to, uh, to people. Okay. I don't really want to. Oh, I'm not. Okay. You know, sleeping with the staff is not something that I encourage in the Medicare you're for not the Lazy so, Man Empire. You know, this is a bad idea. I, you know, that's a bad idea. So you might want to reconsider that. But you know, yeah. it's up to you. Well, who would wake me up in the middle of the night to tell me to go to sleep <laughs> quieter? <laughs> yeah. Or, or or worse yet, you're sleeping on the couch watching television. You know how that works? Oh boy, do I. Get up and go to bed. Well, I'm already sleeping. Yeah, if you just leave me alone, I would uh, wake up tomorrow morning and ready to go. You got Alrighty. it. So the first curation that I have here, she has chosen for me, and it is a pretty exciting personnel um, news from a uh, an HR department in a major American corporation. This corporation is In-N-Out Burger. We have... Um, a uh, a chain of California hamburger joints that have been hugely successful. You know that McDonald's started in California, and uh, the McDonald brothers had uh, figured out and perfected a hamburger stand concept, kind of a drive-up concept. People would have to walk up to the building and order their food, take it back to the car. They could eat it there. They could drive away with it. And uh, so Ray Kroc came along. He was the milk uh, shake machine salesman for the McDonald's brothers and other hamburger joints up and down the, the, uh, California, uh, coast, I guess. And so, uh, Ray Kroc, Ray Kroc saw that they had perfected hamburger service and, uh, they had all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. So he basically talked them into franchising the concept and he finally had to like buy it from them in order to, cause they didn't want to franchise anything. So the, uh, so the state of California is really the foundation of a lot of fast food experimentation and some of it hasn't worked and some of it has in and out burger i am fascinated every time i go to in and out burger now we've got a couple of them in arizona but um, we can watch them this kitchen staff create 
what everybody says is just fantastic food. One of the things they do, and uh, the content curator has celiac disease, so she is gluten-free everywhere she goes. And uh, what you can do at an In-N-Out Burger is to watch the kid that's assigned to make the French fries create the French fries from potatoes, and then, um, oh boy, my neighbor has just come over to the front door, and I may have to ask you to pause this. If he hasn't figured out that I'm talking into this microphone. Uh, okay, Randy, if you could. Oh, nope. There he goes. There he goes. And he didn't even look at me. So I don't know if he's figured it out. Okay. He's the world's greatest neighbor, but he walked by, waved, saw me talking into the <laughs> microphone, kept going to the front door and waited for me to come on there. Uh, and the world's worst timing, though, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But he's now gone away. So anyway, In-N-Out Burger is a huge family-owned, I think family-owned, uh, hamburger franchise operation, and they just do a magnificent job uh, of providing food that people seem to enjoy, but they have had a problem that has caused them some kind of consternation, and they've made an edict for their employees, um, and uh, it is uh, that they are not going to be allowed to wear face masks anymore. I think the the premise is that COVID is over, and we don't need to be making political statements uh, with our facial coverings. And especially when you consider the fact that all the studies have shown that the face masks don't prevent COVID. As you and I have discussed many times, the COVID germs can fly right through the uh, face mask uh, material without even slowing down. So In-N-Out Burger has banned employees from wearing face masks except in California, where most of their employees are, and Oregon. They're going to be exempted, I guess, because they figure the legal environment is not friendly to uh, the the discouraging of employees wearing face masks. The policy was implemented to help promote clear and effective communication between employees and customers. Apparently, the premise is that they were uh, talking on their little radios to the customers outside, and there was not clear communication. And uh, at the end of the article, it says, if employees want to continue wearing a mask, they must provide a medical note for a specific medical condition or health concern that requires them to wear a mask. Uh, and they have to give that note to their manager or to in and outs human resources department. Approved employees must wear a company-provided N95 mask. The company did not provide a reason for wearing a company-issued mask versus one purchased by the employee. I will tell you that uh, we've got a high-end restaurant not too far from us, actually within walking distance, called the Tonto Bar and Grill. And I don't know, Randy and his bride have been there many times. And um, so when COVID was going strong, and when it became very apparent in Arizona that it was ridiculous to have to wear face masks um, uh, and that they weren't really going to do any good. We would we went to dinner at that restaurant one night, and one of my favorite uh, waiters waited on us, and I said, when are they going to stop making you wear masks? Because none of the customers in here are wearing masks, but all the wait staff was wearing masks. And the guy goes, well, it's the uh, federal government. Uh, that's forcing us to wear the masks. Um, not OSHA, but um, yeah, it might have been OSHA. Anyway, so he said, until they tell us that we can stop, the owners of the place feel compelled to make us wear masks. And then he said, look at this. And he put his finger behind the face mask. And basically, it was just nothing but a window screen. 
but it was black. So it looked like it was a solid face mask, but he, I could see his, his finger waving at me inside where his mouth was. And so, yeah, there was a, there was no real protection at all, but yet it followed the spirit of the rule, I guess, or the letter of the rule. So anyway, it's, um, it's too bad that these people have to be told that mask time is over, but it is, uh, it is time for people to stop making political statements with their, their facial coverings. The next item that was curated for us all is entitled a boomer's thoughts on medical tourism and medical tourism is um, the idea of going to have some medical procedure done in a foreign country where theoretically it will be done as well as it could be done in the States, but at a much smaller cost. So if I continue with this article, the CDC describes medical tourism as a term commonly used to describe international travel for the purpose of receiving medical care. This type of medical care is on the rise among seniors in fact, two of my friends traveled out of the country for medical procedures. I don't know who wrote this article, but my friend David, the author of the article, is saying his friend David had his teeth capped in Costa Rica. Interestingly, he told me an American doctor from California did the work. I talked to a friend who has medical work done in Mexico by an American expat doctor. So he went to dental school here and... Uh, opened his practice in Mexico, and he sees mostly American um, American uh, patients that come down across the border. And I guess his overhead is so much lower that he can do uh, the same quality of work for a cut rate. Anyway, back to the article. Uh, this, this guy's friend also told him that it cost him much less than he would have had to pay at home. He was happy with the work, and as a matter of fact, he ended up liking Costa Rica so much that he went back to visit several times, both for additional dental work and for pleasure. So the author goes on to say, I read that dental implants are one of the most common medical travel procedures. Now, I've had a few implants, ladies and gentlemen. I can tell you that I've had to write a check for five grand, four grand maybe, I think five grand for each one. So I can, uh, I would like to go someplace warm and sunny and save a few bucks by uh, having a cut rate dental implant if I were sure that the uh, the procedure was going to go well. In my case, every time I've had an implant installed, it's failed, and I've had to invoke the guarantee that gives me a five year guarantee with this particular oral surgeon, and I go back and I have it done again, and the second time has always been the charm. Sue. So, Going on with this article, some people take a long vacation when they travel abroad for medical treatments. One friend went to Serbia for a facelift and stayed for one month. Towards the end, he had some fun, too. I don't know what kind of fun that might have been in Serbia. Some countries actually specialize in different medical fields. Based on David's account and some other articles I read, Costa Rica is as famous for its dental work as its natural wonders and amazing coffee. Meanwhile, South Korea is the place for plastic surgery. Many excellent plastic surgeons also reside in Brazil, while Turkey offers eye care. Reportedly, the savings for medical travel treatments is between 15% and 75% after deducting your travel expenses. The benefits of medical tourism include affordability, high-quality care, talented surgeons, reduced waiting time, and the fact that you can build a vacation into the whole process. There is a website 
for uh, researching this and trying to decide for yourself. It is www, that's three W's, dot medicaltourismassociation.com. So I'll let you figure out the spelling on that. Once again, it's uh, www.medicaltourismassociation.com. And uh, let's see, if I could send my link through the internet, I would send it to you. But uh, you can go to that website and it will tell you everything you want to know about medical tourism. And it goes on to say, of course, there are plenty of cons to medical tourism as well. The CDC actually issued health warnings for travelers to Mexico about the Zeta virus, hepatitis A, and unsanitary conditions. And the author finally wraps this up by saying, personally, I think that medical tourism for dental work might be best. However, I'm content with my dentist here in the States. I don't judge anyone who's convinced that medical tourism is the way to go. Based on recent statistics, more and more people agree that it's the right choice for them. All righty. And here's another Medicare item. Boy, the curator's hitting everything uh, uh, right in the bullseye today. The headline of this article is, Does Medicare Cover Home Health Care? And as we age and as we want to maybe hire some home health care people to hang around with us, um, this may be helpful in answering uh, some questions. Medicare covers a wide variety of part-time or intermittent in-home health care services to beneficiaries. That's Beneficiaries, in this case, is a Medicare participant. That's you and me. If they meet Medicare's criteria, so here's how it works. In order to secure coverage for home health care, Medicare first requires that a person be homebound. This means that it must be extremely difficult for them to leave home and they need help in doing so either from another person or medical devices like a cane, a wheelchair, a walker, or crutches. Now, Randy, I'm pretty sure that hiding from the Arizona heat in the middle of summer is not a sufficient medical criteria. And Randy's shaking his head. No, no I it's that. not. If you're yeah. if you got run over now, there is one situation. You know how every year somebody in the news, somebody in the media tries to fry an egg on the sidewalk? Oh, if yeah. You, now, if you get run over by a truck while you're trying to do that, that's uh-huh. covered. Okay. <laughs> so if you become an invalid because you were frying eggs on the sidewalk and a truck <laughs> ran over you, I'll yeah. keep that in mind. The The person I was thinking about was the spousal unit who doesn't like to leave the house when it's uh, over 100 degrees. And I thought, well, if I force her to leave the house, does that make does that make her fit the criterion of needing another person to help her get out of the house? But uh, I think it's just limited to canes, wheelchairs, walkers, or crutches. So the person would then need to have a face-to-face meeting with their doctor to get a home health care certification confirming the need for skilled nursing or skilled therapy services from a physical or speech therapist on a part-time basis. The doctor can also request the services of an occupational therapist and a personal care aide to assist with activities of daily living, which are bathing, dressing, using the bathroom. A doctor must renew and certify the home health plan every 60 days. That's pretty stringent. Uh, They've got to renew and certify the home health care plan for Medicare to continue paying for it. Roy had huge back problems, just like mine, got a... Uh, a crippled parking placard from the state of New York. And that was like 30 years ago. 
and he's still got it and it's still good and he parks anywhere he damn well wants to so this these poor people have to qualify 60 days every 60 days the person will also need to use a home health agency that's certified by medicare if they meet all of those requirements medicare should pay for in-home health care. But be aware that Medicare will not pay for personal care aid services, for bathing, dressing, using the bathroom, etc. alone. They won't pay for that alone if the person does not need skilled nursing or skilled therapy services also. Homemaker services such as shopping, meal preparation, and cleaning are not covered either. If you have original Medicare, you can locate a Medicare-certified home health agency by calling 800-633-4227. And if you want to hear that number again, just rewind this recording a little bit. It's 800-633-4227. Or by visiting medicare.gov slash care dash compare. If you have a Medicare Advantage plan, <laughs> go pound sand. <laughs> you should contact the plan directly and ask what, if anything, they're willing to do. And I'm, you know, I think you should be prepared to be disappointed with their response uh let's see other options to pay for home health care if a person does not qualify for medicare home health care coverage there are other coverage options depending on your situation here are several that may apply to you insurance if you happen to have long-term care insurance which i've always said was is a terrific product it's just that the insurance companies cannot accurately predict the cost and so the rates Keep going up. You buy a policy. It's not like life insurance where you have the same rate the rest of your life. They have the right to raise the rates if they need to to keep the company solvent. And uh, that's why long-term care insurance is not more popular. Check to see if that long-term care policy you have covers in-home care. Or if you have a life insurance policy, see if it can be utilized to pay for in-home care. Medicaid. If you have low income, you may qualify for Medicaid, which offers different home and community-based services that can pay for in-home care. To investigate this, contact your local Medicaid office. Also, see if PACE, which stands for Programs of All-Inclusive Care for the Elderly, uh, that's PACE, P-A-C-E, see if that's available in your area. <clears throat> and... Um, Let's see, PACE provides in-home care, including help with activities of daily living, such as meals and dental and medical care, among other benefits. And then the VA, if you're a uh, veteran, the VA offers some benefits that can help. Two programs to inquire about are aid and attendance or housebound allowances. That's one, aid and attendance or housebound allowances. And then the other program is veteran-directed care. Both programs provide monthly veteran or monthly financial benefits to eligible veterans that can help pay for in-home care. So call the VA and ask about those two programs. Um, and then to look for other help in your area, let's see, two more um, possibilities are payingforseniorcare.com. So this is all one word, payingforseniorcare.com, and click on Find Financial Assistance for Care to access their elder care financial assistance locator tool. Uh, so those are the things that uh, one might pursue if one needs in-home care. I see by the old clock on the wall that I have babbled and and uh, yacked enough about this kind of stuff for today. Looks to me like uh, the ball is in your court, Randy, to help close out this episode. 
The crickets have chirped. I just thought I would point out there's about three or four little items that I always used to, I, I like to touch on them before we sign off. And one of those is grab your pencil. Doug loves to hear from you and you can reach him by email at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. That's dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Doug, in case you didn't know it, is a nationwide licensed agent for Medicare supplement pens. You can check us out at the website, medicareforthelazyman.com. Got some pretty cool stuff there. At the end of the day, we're always up against it on the rating wars. So if you can find a place to give us a rating on the book and the podcast, that would really be appreciated. But more important than any of that, we want to thank you for joining us. I know you could have been a hundred different places doing a hundred different things, and you weren't. You were with us spending some time on the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast with Doug Jones. And if you haven't been tracking on your watch, you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, no more, living in the high altitudes behind Cave Creek, Arizona, in his fortress of solitude. And I'm going to chalk him in today at a nosebleed height of about 16,000 feet. Oh, where's my mask, Randy? <laughs> thanks thanks for the lack of oxygen but thank you also for uh, helping me with this fine fine podcast ladies and gentlemen we'll look for you next time please join us again bye bye <laughs>